Introducing Mortgage Matters. This is a great time to go buy a house. This is when the real estate fortunes are made. A show dedicated to helping you navigate the challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were put into conservatorship in 2008 and continued to dominate the mortgage market. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess... Is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about time for Mortgage Matters. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Got the uh, talented Mike Points in the studio with me today. Mike, thanks for taking time to come in and do the show. Another another tally, tally mark on That's shows right. done. By Mike Points and Jason Grody. Should I say by Jason Grody and Mike Points? Sorry, I threw my name in first. You sure. can put your name first. That was rude. I'm not a vain person. As long as my name's mentioned, I'm good. No problem. Thank you. Yeah, I, I do recall uh, first coming on the show, and I think about it when we have guests on the show. How long ago was your first? I want to say four, 2015 was my first show. It's been a few years. Yeah, we were at the old studio. Yeah. And no one really gave me the quick and dirty, like, hey, Jim's going to throw finger signs at you because, you know, he's got to keep us on track. And I was talking, and Jim just, sure enough, started flight controlling me with, like, two minutes left, take a break. And I was like, (laughs) I can't talk and watch you do that. (laughs) What does that mean? What is he doing? (laughs) Yeah, well, I have no idea. First off, it's never the middle finger. Thank you, Jim. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, yeah, I have to give these things, you know, these finger signals because yep. i can't say hey mike you got two minutes left mm-hmm. you know no so, no no yeah you could it's just less well, professional yeah you know mm-hmm. it's nice to keep the man behind the curtain <laughs> yes right that's right that's why we have radio well here we are yeah. it's another another saturday but a saturday in june yes welcome everybody to june yes how nice is that Amazing. i can't believe it actually we're halfway through the year and about what, two weeks? I mean, really, five halfway twelfths, through the week. Five twelfths. I'm considering us halfway through right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, this is, and this is the, um, this is my favorite time of year. Is this, this is your oh, guys it's game time, time now. It's, I mean, I do love the holiday season and that kind of thing, but just this time of year with um, the weather, yeah. all the outdoor activity, you know, it's a bonus points for living on the Central Coast, but. Um, Mm-hmm. Sports, yeah, outdoors, home buying season. You know what I'd be loving? I'd be loving getting off of work, and then you still got like two hours of possible play activity. Yeah, sun, you know, sunshine like is out. That. I love that too. I default to the dog walk, but you know what? There's something nice about the dog walk too. But mm-hmm. I mean, you could go play nine holes after a full day of golf. Mm-hmm. You could, and not have to be an executive. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's it's amazing. But you did hit on one thing that is very present, Jay, which is it is house buying season. And we're seeing some more houses, more inventory pop up. People finally got their kids with caps and gowns on, and it's time to rock and roll. This summer, they're going to change out the house they had to the new house they want. Maybe they'll do some right sizing, as Dan Podesto likes to say. Uh huh. Kids are gone. Can't wait to get them out the door so we can sell this house and get into something smaller. Yeah, I was talking to a couple this week that um, went from, I helped them buy 
their previous home in Slow, two-story home, and they liked it. But they're starting to look down the road a little bit and wanting to get the long-term plan in place and had moved to Atascadero. Um, and by the way, they're thrilled making the transition from San Luis to Atascadero. I know there's lots of uh, shame in that or um, people think oh. that you go over the grade and you're somehow like a, a subclass or something. Um, For those who are not from San Luis Obispo, but listening to this great Mortgage Matters show, we have this this topography, or should I say, a, a, it's, it's a highway, really, that just goes up a grade Yeah, from San Luis the, into North County. The grade may as well be the Great Wall. There um, is a disparity it's a, it's between a distinct our economies or something. border between um, business and, and um, way of life and weather. Um, right. it's, it's very different. We're not talking East Germany, West Germany stuff because no. there's no there's no wars going on, per se. Yeah, I moved up to Atascadero, uh, 2012, I think, ish, somewhere in that neighborhood, and I was a little bit nervous about getting into the Atascadero weather. I know that's a big thing for most people. It gets so hot there. <laughs> and now that I've been there for a long time, um, it does get hot. There. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we have some hot days. That's for sure. But, um, there are not many, you know, I would say there's always about one or two heat spells a year where you get that three or four or five day run where it's like the one Oh somethings. Mm -hmm. And that's wild. That's hot where it's like, man, I don't think people are supposed to live like this. But I will say, though, the, the most amazing thing about it, which you really, I think, have to experience to understand, is that it's not uncommon for those overnight temps to drop 40 to 50 degrees. Right. So it always cools off. It always breaks. And that's always nice and welcome. And it means that those um, North County evenings on the back porch are amazing. Spectacular. Yeah. Really are. And... You know, like I said, that happens. Your air is still, too. We got a lot of wind in San Luis. Yes. Yeah. It's not very, I mean, we get breezes, of course, but it's not windy like it is. If you go hop out of your car at Costco, you might take a shopping cart to the back <laughs> of the head that's yeah. tumbling through <laughs> the parking lot. That's my toupee. <laughs> well, I have to admit, too, I went over to Bakersfield on Tuesday, so I'm coming back, and then, um, you know, it's all nice and, you know, not hot, but just pleasant in the Tascadero and Santa Margarita in that area, and then. You come up over the grade, and let's call it for what it is, fog. Yeah. I like to call it the marine layer, and it just is right there at the top of the grade yep. and not over the top into a Tascadero. Yeah. That's it's crazy. There's a line right there. It just yeah. hangs right there. I mean, we got this week in a Tascadero, we definitely got a little bit of that um, low cloud cover fog, if you will, was kind of around in the mornings. But, um, yeah, and, and, you know, the other thing, too, is – so I, I always want to emphasize the point is that, yeah, there's some hot days. However, um, it's not too many. And, yeah, there's a lot of days that we'll get in the high 80s and 90s, but it's kind of a way of life. And um, it's something I think most of us that live in the North County um, kind of enjoy. You know, you go sure. yeah. in the in the evening when the temp drops, you open up all the doors and windows and get the whole house breathing. And um, in the morning, you want to wake up and sometime, you know, 6 or 7 a.m., 
that's about the lowest attempt is. So you just close everything down and, um, you know, in your house, a well-insulated house can stay cool until two or three o'clock in the afternoon where mm-hmm. it starts to, to warm up a little bit. And if you're there, you might elect to turn on fans or run an AC or something like that. But, um, there's just a nice little cycle to it. And I think one of the biggest differences, like, you know, over in the Valley, it can get that sweltering hot and not change much overnight. Mm. And that's tough. But, um, but as we crawl backwards out of this rabbit hole, I took us down on temperature. You were saying you had a family that got a two story house. Yeah. So they moved to a Tascadero, got a one story house thinking long term, And, um, I ran into, to Mike the other day and was talking to him. So I, you know, it's been a couple years. How, how's the house? And he's, oh man, we just love it. It's just great. The neighbors are great. Town's great. Loving it all. And recently had, um, to have his in-laws come um, and stay with them. They were, um, they're elderly and were having some mobility issues. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they were in a one bedroom house and able to accommodate and um, without really any struggle, whereas if they were in the other house, they wouldn't have made it work out. Yeah. And um, it just wouldn't have worked. You might have to end up having to put a bed in the living room or something, right? Mm-hmm. So, Anyhow, I brought that up is that um, you said right sizing and and right sizing to me does mean moving into a house that, you know, once all the the kids are gone and you don't need to maintain that space and with the utilities and just all the extra room and all that kind of thing. Well, we do see a lot of couples that are right sizing and, and choosing also to get into homes that where they can age in place, mm-hmm. you know, find yep. find a house that is going to be able to accommodate them when climbing stairs is um, not ideal. And then, you know, I mean, such as life at some point for a lot of us, that will just become impossible climbing stairs. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you ever lived in a two story house? You guys ever live in a two story house? Yeah. Most of my life was in a house with stairs. Yeah. And it's amazing how many times you go up and down those stairs in a day. No, oh. I I never did, but my grandmother had kind of a split level. Uh huh. So and there was quite a few stairs up to that split level. So you, you do you go yeah. up a lot, for yeah. sure. Uh-huh. You might even not wear a watch one yeah. day, yeah, because you left it upstairs. Whenever we have this conversation, too, I always like to point out that San Luis Obispo County is one of the counties in the state that allows you to move your tra- your tax base if you are over the age of fifty five and you're going to be. Uh, instead of downsizing, I like to call it right sizing as well, going to be right sizing into a home that, that more fits your need and it's going to be equal or lesser value. They'll allow you to move your tax base from um, the property you're selling. It's a one-time gig. You can do it um, even retroactively. You sell your house and move and then apply for it. I think you have a year or so to apply for it. Um and, and it surprises me a lot of people don't know about that. And I think about how many people have done that, you know, sell your four bedroom house out at the country club to move into something smaller mm-hmm. into town, you know, that's closer to services and just smaller and more manageable for you. And if you owned that first home for, you know, any meaningful amount of time, I'd say, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 years, obviously the longer you owned it, the more impact there is there. Um, but yeah, I just hate to think that there's people that have done that and not been able to take advantage of that tax base transfer. Yeah. Make a real big difference. Yep. 
Prop 5 from our midterm election tried to do the thing where we made it statewide. Yeah. But it didn't pass um, for better or worse. Um, and I think that's a big piece of this puzzle. I got caught in the covenant the covenant game. Am I saying that right? No, coveting game. I saw this beautiful house up in Bowdoin Ranch area that was, I think, priced correctly. And, you know, for Erica and I, it'd be probably about 700, 800 square feet too much. But it made a lot of sense for some of the things we're starting to do with family planning should her parents need to come back to California and just to have a bit more space. And the, the, when I started cl- clicking in all the numbers, the property tax alone was just a big, a big variance. It's huge. In what I'm paying now. It's huge. And, um, you know, we see this a lot with even the move up buyers where they're not going to get to lower their tax base or anything. They're just, they need to sell their two bedroom, two bath or their three bedroom, one bath. And they're just trying to get, you know, into a little bit what we call that move up home in the next price range with a little more elbow room and maybe accommodating that growing family or whatever the situation. Mm-hmm. And those property taxes is shocking to people. Um, if you bought a house in, in that 2010 era where you were picking up homes, I mean, you could buy a house out in the ocean air neighborhoods back then in the 350 range. So you might have yeah. property taxes thanks to that Prop 13. You might have property taxes out there that are only 3500 bucks a year. Yeah. You know, 3000 $3, bucks a year, 300 bucks a month. And those houses now... Would you say is it even safe to say you're going to find one over there for less than six hundred? They're um, making a case for it. Yeah, it's it's right there. So you go all things equal. You sell your house, and now that house you're going to sell for six hundred, right? So you're going to pocket that money um, to put down on the next house, and you know you end up borrowing a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars more for the move up and. Every hundred thousand dollars, you know, we know it costs you five hundred bucks a month or so in principal and interest. So you're anticipating your payment's going to go up by about a thousand bucks. But then you learn about, hey, guess what the property taxes are on that seven or eight hundred thousand dollar house? They could be seven, eight, nine thousand dollars a year, and you were paying three thousand dollars a year. Yep. So you throw that into the mix, and now that payment's going up another five hundred bucks a month or so. Um, people forget to to consider that the property tax, and that's a big deal because yep. property taxes are just forever. <laughs> I mean, and they're only going up, right? Mm-hmm. I say that. I mean, I 2%. realize I realize they went down. You could get temporary reduction in property value during like that the the great recession where we had values fall so sharply people were able to get their properties reassessed, but Mm -hmm. those were temporary reassessments. And there's also, it doesn't reset your tax base and there's no, um, there's no protection there for when it goes back to what it was. So it, it, in many cases, you know, I all San Luis County, I would say as a whole is at or above that value mark from pre great recession. And so those property taxes are, are back there. They're, right. they're back up to what they were before. Um, which as an interesting aside, uh, one thing I learned about that, if we ever do experience a great recession like that, again, where property values do fall substantially, 
Um, man, there's got to be an opportunity for some people who just want to trade houses just to permanently reset their tax base into a lower, a lower status, right? I'd like to hear how you would trade a house. Well, I mean, I, I think you could actually just move homes. What if you found the perfect person that would just switch you and it saves you both, you know, permanently $4,000 a year in, in property taxes? That can make a pretty big difference in retirement, right? That's like a car payment. Yep. I was going to say that's like a health insurance premium, but that's that's less than a health no, insurance that's way premium anymore. <laughs> uh, health insurance premiums trying to compete with the mortgage for some people. Yeah. It's getting up there. Um, but yeah, so anyhow, the tax thing is always something to really carefully consider. And before we move on from this topic, I know we got to take a, a break here in a couple minutes, but... Um, the other thing I just want to tell people, because we see this happen all too often, is your tax base due to Prop 13, if you've owned your house for a few years, your tax base um, is a very valuable thing for you. And one of the things we we run into all too often is people are changing title all willy-nilly without help from anybody. Yeah. Um, buy a house with a girlfriend, um, get married, change the title, get off of title because when you refi, one person's credit score is too low or something, mm -hmm. and then you refinance into the other person's name next time, do something like that. Some of those changing of the actual title, the way that you hold title, can trigger a reassessment. And... Um, what a bummer, because once it changes, it does not go back. Yeah. And so you've got you've to be really careful when you're changing title to make sure that you understand what the ramifications are of recording one of those deeds to change title. Especially, especially when you've got the situation where now mom or dad have finally passed and the irreversible, irrevocable trust is you know, on title and one of the siblings wants to keep the property and, but they've got to pay off the other siblings by way of a refinance. Um, if we have the opportunity in this show this weekend, I want to touch on how some of that works, but that's a clear cut way where you can get a huge tax reassessment if you don't do that transaction yeah. correctly. In fact, if we've got a file going on right now where I've told them you need to seek out counsel before we can even start a loan application. It's just smart. And you know, the, uh, we've had Tom Bordnar on the show a handful of times. He's a, yeah. a great friend of the show. Um, he really does a good job and I believe his staff does a good job. They're very helpful and friendly and you can call or walk in and be greeted by a, a happy, helpful person that will, that um, really has the spirit of wanting to help you um, not make a mistake. You know, make sure that you're doing things correctly. Make sure you understand what things you might do that would, might trigger a reassessment and um, just help you steer clear of that. So I always encourage everybody, before you do anything without the help of title or escrow or a, a savvy lender, um, I would definitely advise that you get some some strong counsel on uh, changing title or not. It really can make a huge difference. We're going to go ahead and take the first commercial break of the show. First one. 
Yeah. Are the new spots loaded in here yet or no? I believe we're going to have to run with those next weekend. Okay. We'll find out here in just a second. Though. Yeah, we had to redo some of the, the commercials to add some mandatory language. And then also we were just trying to freshen them up now that it's not always Jason and Dan. Yeah. Um, just trying to make it to where we're honoring the work that these other guys, like Mike, yeah. so graciously do here for the show. So. Yeah. Anyway, take a quick commercial break, and we'll be back in just a couple minutes with more Mortgage Matters. Welcome back, everybody. What? what? Oh, I we, turned on my mic this time. <laughs> what? What? It's exciting. Did you teach him to do that? Is he, uh, no, he just he, he's just freestyling. I love yeah, it. There it is. Yeah. I love it. It's excited. Jim's Jim's got high energy. Yeah. I feel uh, like a mortgage show. We should have like a little check a cash register jingle. Ching. Mm-hmm. Or maybe like I guess for a mortgage it'd be like a signing. It sounds I'll, like a signing. Maybe we, yeah, maybe we could just rob yeah. that opening from that Pink Floyd money yeah, we'll with all the cash registers. Maybe that'll be a bad. Yeah. Great thing about live radio is yeah. we can't stop. We have yeah, to keep going. Like, <laughs> we're just in here today, and of yeah. course, down the hall when our FMs is doing the wine show, we can't like, you know, you, there's no way you can taste mortgages, but they're getting to taste wine down yeah. the hall right now. What's up with that? Yeah, that's absurd. We, yeah. We should have some tasting. I mean, don't you want a bigger population so we can get a, a better a better response to that yeah. finish, the legs on that wine? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm of the mindset that um, we probably would have more trouble than we already do if we were wine tasting while doing Mortgage Matters. Oh, you're going to dad me? You might get a few figures wrong. You're going to dad me. <laughs> All right. All right. That's funny that you say that. Dad has spoken. My my dad quit drinking years ago. Um, just a lifestyle decision, decided he was just better not drinking. And But it, it, it's since turned into this thing where both my folks are always sort of like, mm, you sure you need a beer? To me and my brothers. And I'm like, come on. Yeah. I'm a grown man. Yeah. Can have a pale ale with my burger if I want. Yeah, it's lunchtime and it's Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh. So there's some housing-related stuff that I do think is worth talking about today, and also some other economic things um, that we want to talk about. And of course, dominating the headlines lately still has been um, the. All of the pretty constant consternation here, conversation, debate, everything that that goes into this U.S. slash China trade war. And it feels like it's heating up a With little bit. With a side of Brexit. With a side of Brexit. And, um, yeah, so interestingly enough, um, we've got a 10-year bond yield 
that is dipping to lows not seen in a couple of years, which is very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's exciting for us in the in the mortgage business. And for those of you that are wondering why it is that we're going to start talking about bond yields here for a minute, um, it's been it's been accepted in the securities market that a mortgage generally has a lifespan of about a 10-year period, even though they're 30-year loans, people average about a 10-year period on them. So they're a kind of a longer-term investment. The portfolios tend to stay together for about that time. Um, they're, and so because of that kind of variety, um, it is there's just a relationship that's easy to analyze between the two. And so we've we've been able to see through the years that there, um, if the ten year bond yield um, and the thirty year fixed rate mortgage share relationship, we can sort of see somewhat seasonally how it's reacting. And I'll say this is that um, today it's about one point seven five percent or so more. So in other words, if the 10-year bond yield is at 2.25%, which that's where it averaged this week in the market, then you could add 1.75% to that and have a general understanding that a 30-year fixed is somewhere around 4%. And of course, characteristics of a loan, credit score, property type, occupancy type, down payment, all those kind of things are going to weigh in on that. Those will augment that. Yeah. And so, um, and and I'll tell you pre Dodd-Frank, um, in the lesser regulated environment, we saw the spread between the two was generally about one and a half percent. So, um, and that's a whole nother show. We could talk about how regulation has led to increased cost to the consumer, it's probably a pretty boring conversation. I don't think we need to have it today. Um, but we found that 10-year spread going to about 2% um, higher for the 30-year fixed. So um, interestingly enough, it used to be one and a half. It bumped up to about 2 at points a little bit over 2%. And now it's fallen back to about one and three quarters, which I'm going to explain away by meaning that um, as volume's a little bit lighter in the mortgage origination market, we've got um, companies essentially reducing profit margin in order to keep business coming through the doors. That's right? right. When the fish were jumping in the boat during the big refi boom where we had three and a quarter, 30-year fixed, it was not uncommon for companies to be able to charge you know, basically a rate that was about 2% higher than that 10-year bond um, or at times a little bit more. Right. So now that the fish aren't jumping in the boat and much of the refi business is already transacted, lots of companies like ours are competing for the purchase market. And in that market, it means we have a tighter margin as we're attempting to beat each other out with competition. Make sense? Makes total sense, especially in a market like this one that could be apples to apples. Yeah, and so the second piece of this, the reason we talk about the bond market and care about the bond market, is that um, the bond market is generally um, going to do its best. Like We're going to see high purchase price and low yield um, when 
the economy, the future of the economy looks a little bit shaky, uncertain, or in some cases where it's just the, you know, that the six or 12 or 18 month outlook is not good, um, like in a recession, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so money will move into the bond market as that, that investment vehicle is under heavy demand. They raise the buy prices and lower the yields because more people want to gobble it up because your other options are to buy other investments that may not have any positive gain that might actually experience principal losses, right? So that's the the kind of deal here. And this is why things like this trade war, and we've seen volatility in the stock market, we've seen sell-off in um, you know, been going on for a little while here is this uncertainty. Stock market doesn't like uncertainty, doesn't like trade um, strain. And so we're seeing lots of money move over into the bond market, which is dropping yields and mortgage rates are chasing it straight down. This last week, we saw German, Spanish, Italian, and Portuguese This news article that I clipped this from, by the way, puts them in that order. Remember when the acronym um, was PIGS? Do you guys remember that? It was a few years ago. Portuguese, Italian. um, I think at the time, though, it was Greece and Spain. So maybe, maybe that's why it's not relevant here. Anyways, Portuguese, Italian, German, and Spanish. um, Ten-year yields are at record lows right now. And all eyes are on the U.S.-China trade spat, worried of a a massive global drag if these problems, um, if there isn't trade agreements reached soon. So you're seeing not only this happen in our bond market here in the U.S., but we're seeing it globally. Um, And, of course, um, you know... in terms of interest rates, that's nice. It's lowering interest rates. Um, but there's a, a fair amount of shakeup. Also this week, we found futures are pricing two Fed rate reductions by mid-2020. So most of the investment community has accepted now that th- this is probably the peak in terms of the federal um, interest rate hikes that we're not going to get any more. This is probably what we should consider neutral and that now we're forecasting by the end of next year, which crazy since this is June now is only 18 months away that we would have two rate hikes. So when the, or two rate cuts, sorry. So when you can see that trajectory of a couple of rate cuts, it means that you're, if you're not moving in that direction, you're going to be late to the dance, right? Mm-hmm. And so we see the bond yields are already sort of reflecting some of that sentiment. With our three-year, yeah. Yeah, so um, pretty wild there. Um, you mentioned also side of Brexit um, being, of course, of of notable, and I know this news now is, oh, what, nine days old or so, but... Um, Teresa, Prime Minister Theresa May stepping down, um, resigning, and that, of course, doesn't change the path of what's going on in the Brexit world. However, 
it does mean that there's you should assume there's going to be increased uncertainty and volatility there as they're now going to go through their election cycle to figure out who will be the replacement. Yep. So um, all of that sort of has the investment community just watching closely. And like I said, I, I just want to keep driving home the point that this has a positive impact on interest rates. So we, we found that interest rates have been trending down and likely continue to do so. And maybe even for the next 18 month period, which I think makes kind of sets the stage for what might be a brilliant home buying season. Um, a lot of the people that we talk to might want to move up, get a bigger house, move to the part of town they really wanted to be in. You know, oftentimes when you buy your first home, you buy in a place where you don't necessarily want to be, but you kind of have to be because of budget. And it gets real hard to move when you have a 4% 30-year fixed, you're going to have that bump in property taxes we talked about, but you're also going to experience an interest rate that's higher than the current rate you have, right? So even borrowing the same amount of money is going to cost you more. Mm-hmm. So some of those people, when we had interest rates that were at the 5 to 5 5.25% rate last year, some of those people are just like, well, there's, I, it just means I need to stay put. And now that we're seeing interest rates fall back to that level, aligning with the rates that some of those would-be sellers have makes us think that we might experience a little bit of increase in volume of sales and move-up buyers and people shaking it up and move around town. Not to mention playing with house money, right? I mean, sure. the equities out there. Now, I'm sure all your real estate agent friends have reminded you of this, Yeah, but it is a fair point to say as this uncertainty and and as this, this truly this play, we're talking about a global play, if you will, on how these countries interact and trade plays out through the acts. I mean, next year could be act three, which would be turmoil, which would be other countries considering leaving the European Union because of how well maybe Brexit has worked out for England. We don't know. I mean, I'm kind of twisting the knife here, but I do well, I and- do think that it becomes too late, like you said, to the dance where you're now almost eager to get your house listed because you're you're worried about when am I gonna where do I catch this falling knife? And I think still, I mean, we have this position of we have a, an inventory shortage. There's not enough homes for sale. Every time we get data, we that that fact that we just double down on that. It's the fact. Trump card. It's the Trump card because it is. We didn't build homes for too many years, um, and California is still just too desirable of a place. And now that we're trying to build homes, we're finding that the scarcity of land, the expense of labor, and um, you know, just the strain on infrastructure and resources, right? Water and power. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a very easy thing to do to to add to the housing inventory by way of building um, to meet the needs. So it's just leaving pent-up demand, which has a lot of people wanting to buy still. Um, this last week, we got some data on new home sales. And so... Um, we also got pending home sales, and we also got um, the Case-Shiller Home Price Index. And, um, man, maybe I should just tease that out and do it after the break, huh? 
the home sales and also um, the pending home sales. Tell us a little bit about what's what's coming around the curve. Um, obviously, this is why we pay attention to these metrics. We've also heard from the Case and Schiller, uh, which they have a two-month lag on their industry, but they give us a read of uh, nationally and then regionally uh, what home prices are looking like around the country. And um, so, yeah, let's do that. Let's go ahead and, and hop into a commercial break, and then when we get back, we'll – We'll cover out this first hour here with some real estate discussion, and then we can spend next hour getting into uh, the next few topics. So stick around after this short break for more Mortgage Matters. Welcome back. As whoop, thre- whoop. Yeah, whoop, whoop, <laughs> whoop. Woo. I, don't um, ha- I don't have a sound yet. I'm still working on it. You figure out which one you like. Which one's you? What fits your personality? We're back, man. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> we be doing mortgage matters. We be doing it. So <laughs> uh, we don't have a lot of time, so I want to I get through this. I, this is a a good segment here to talk about what's going on in the real estate market. Um, first up is new home sales and new home sales obviously matter so much, right? It's how the, we, we first start with caring about, um, permits, right? Building permits and housing starts that tells us what things are going to look like down the road. And if the market, you know, if builders are building, they're confident and, you know, and then, and then after that, it turns into new home sales is how are these things selling? And, yep. um, what's the price, what's the cost to build put this, this into context a little bit, by the way, uh, new home sales account for about 10% of the total market. Does that sound high or low? New home sales, uh, yeah, I think that sounds right. It's right. It's about 10% of the housing market, and you got an annualized sales pace of 673,000 new home sales. Um, that's not bad, right? In a, in a market that's about 6 million um, of total sales. Yep. So that's, that's how we arrive at that number. Um, in March... We did 723,000 new home sales. Um, it was revised upward. And for the month of April, we missed the forecast. Um, it decreased by 6.9%. The forecast was for an overall decrease, but only a decrease of 2.8%. So um, anyhow, we, we see that those numbers are a little bit lower. Um March, by the way, that was the highest month of new home sales since October of 2007, which was probably when the average... That's terrible. That was probably the last month that the average American 
was unaware yeah. that there was trouble ahead. Yeah, when you bought your house, you just had like a money gun and you shot a bunch of money at the seller and like, da 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 da, da here we go. Yeah. <laughs> me, pick me. <laughs> I'll overpay. <laughs> and I can afford to because I have this crazy loan that's negatively amortizing. Right. What is it? The payment should be four grand a month, but I'm paying a thousand. So I'll take two. What does ARM mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> So the median home price for a new home sold in the United States increased 8% to 342. That's the highest since December of last year. Um, and altogether, sales, though they decreased from month to month, still increased year over year um, by 7% flat. So um feels like the uh, March was just a real, uh, just a great month. And so things are going to look a little bit less than spectacular after a month like that. But you've got still 7% higher new home sales year over year and an 8% higher sales price of new home sales um, on the year over year. So right. it makes it feel like the new home um, market is very strong. You're, I mean, you're involved with the HBA, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, came out to your event uh, last month out um, at the new roundabout out there on uh, Orchid. Tank Farm. Tank Farm, sorry. Right before Orchid. Yeah. Um, Makes you think of that. Yeah, with Rigetti Ranch. Rigetti Ranch. Yeah. Pretty cool project there. Um, I had a good time stomping through all those, the models and mm -hmm. seeing what was going on out there. Um, how do you know, I, I hate to put you on the spot. We didn't talk about talking about this, but do you know how many homes that is that, that is going into Rigetti? I believe it. Well, the whole project, including apartments and other units, I believe is just a tick over 400, but the actual home piece that they're building out right now, I believe is 168. Mm. Sounds approximate, but yeah. Yeah, the, so it'll be phased. Absolutely. There's 12 phases, and they're in phase three. Okay. They're building phase three. There's always, always, always uh, friction in the phase, depending on you know how the city sees you following your plans and things of that nature, or weather, or you know market change. Right? Those are all friction-like things. But or if you find like a red-legged frog or. Some kind well, for of, them, it was two bald eagles, if you recall. Oh, that yeah. happened last year, right before shovels were going in the dirt, like executives coming out with their gold shovels to take a picture. There was like a huge bald eagle sighting, which was a two-month delay for the right reasons. You know how much it costs to, to get two bald eagles planted on a development site? <laughs> <laughs> That's probably not what that happened. That feels like one of the wishes you lose to the genie, right? That's probably not what happened. One of three wishes. <laughs> Oh, it was quite peculiar, though, how this just happens right beforehand. I've heard. I've heard. Of I live in like that, that neighborhood, so I actually did spot them, and it was quite the sighting to see the eagles flying around. Yeah, are they still around? No, no. I believe they. <clears throat> I believe that they left on their own accord. Maybe they got like a buyout. You know, like if you leave a month early. Right. The cash for keys. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think maybe we're going to have to play Fly Like an Eagle. That'd be the great. Next, uh, the next break. Steve Miller band. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If um, I wasn't so into wolves, an eagle would be my spiritual creature. They're pretty <laughs> amazing, though. I'm yeah. more of a land creature, though. You are? Yeah. I can fly okay. I don't do well on the water. 
But I do like to drink Bud Light while we're in the boat. On topic, on topic. (laughs) This week, the National Association of Realtors released the pending home sales data um, showing... So pending home sales matter because we... um, This is homes that are in contract, pending close, um, that are not yet closed. Mm -hmm. And we like to... To see this, it's a for it's a leading indicator forecasting. You know what what is going to turn into existing home sales, right? So give us a little look into the future. Um, pending home sales data decreased one point five percent. So there are fewer homes pending sale. Um, there was. Uh, forecast for a half a percent increase. So the the forecasters here really missed it. Year over year, the sales for existing homes are down 2%, which is the 16th consecutive month of annual decreasing sales. So in other words, less people are selling their homes. Um, There is a 3.3% month inventory for sales um of homes under 250,000 bucks. So nationally we would at the current sales pace we would sell out of all homes for sale in 3.3 months um if there were no new homes, you know, no additional homes being listed for sale. That's kind of crazy, right? Mhm. And and just an interesting other little bit I dug out of this data I thought was interesting here. We have an 8.9-month supply of homes over a million. So three times as many homes available um, in supply for homes over a million bucks. Mm-hmm. So altogether, not too surprising there. And, and that, it's those same things we talked about, right? Yeah. It's harder to build, but also... Um, it's more expensive for you if you have one of those ultra low interest rates. You don't want to sell your house and buy the next one because you are going to experience a higher interest rate. You're going to experience a higher tax base and payment. And so it's just a little bit more expensive. You got more people hunkering down, um, I believe, choosing to just stay put, choose to be satisfied in your current house, mm-hmm. live with that. Uh, the green appliances and that white tile counter that um, you just don't love. Yeah. I mean, consumers have learned from the past that it's not a bad thing to pay off debt and, you know, not leverage as much as possible, even though these credit card companies are consistently offering a higher limit to people overnight. They're coming back, right? Yeah. Um, And then lastly, before we get forced out of the top of the hour break here, I just want to touch on this, the Case and Schiller Home Price Index. This is a fascinating one this week because um, we see that as expected, the pace of home price appreciation is slowing. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, We don't want to have runaway home price appreciation where we know we have a supply and demand issue. Um, so the, the values grew nationally, um, 
3.7%. And again, this has a two-month lag, so this is for March. So nationally, home home values are up 3.7%. And um, the previous month was 3.9%. This reading of 3.7% is the slowest home price appreciation reading in seven years. So does that mean that the correction's well underway and it's about to turn into the devaluing cycle? Absolutely not. I like to remind everybody that a healthy real estate market means home price appreciation between 3 and 5% annually. So we're right up in the healthy mix, mm-hmm. um, and I don't think there's any cause for alarm there. We got to get into the top of the hour commercial break. This is the five minute one. So go get fresh coffee, water that dog, do what you got to do. And we'll be back in about five minutes with more Mortgage Matters. I think I told you this before, but I it, it was like 1992-ish. I, uh, it's a great little, there's a great little record shop in Big Bear, Village Music, and um, Mike ran it. That was a spot where you could go yeah. buy concert tickets and stuff. Kind of like Cheap Thrills, maybe? Yeah, Somewhat. but but very small, yeah. you know, and... and it would, like when the new releases came out, there's a little new release section, and it was just like I mean, Big Bear is more or less on an island, yeah. So it was be one of the only places where you could like drop in and see who put out a new album, and mm-hmm. and in like I said, if you need to buy concert tickets or whatever, you go in there too. But so, anyways, I was in there and I was talking to Mike, and I was like, man, I need something. There wasn't any good new releases out, and uh, you know, I need something. I need something that. It's just new to me that I'm just going to love. Grateful Dead stuff, nothing. And he said, you ever ever listen to Steve Miller Band? And I was like, nah, I don't think so. What's that? And he's like, oh, you're going to love it. Yeah. So sold me a couple of Steve Miller Band CDs, and um, off I went. And, uh, man, I I remember just, it was so funny. I loved it immediately. It was like, holy smokes, how has this not been on my radar? Talented I, band. I, I went to oh, my yeah. I went to my dad after a couple days. Was you know I was like, Dad, you've got to check this out. I like Fly Lake and Eagle, but I think my favorite is Mercury Blues. Mm. Yeah. So my Al, Alan Jackson did a good cover of it, but Steve Miller is better. My dad laughed in my face that he that I somehow thought I was introducing him to Steve Miller Band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's how it was for me with my dad and Billy Joel. I'm like, have you heard of this guy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're funny. Yeah. Now we're going to have to see, I have to go see Rocket Man. That just came out yesterday. Yesterday. How yeah. How are the reviews? I, you know, I we'll haven't have to seen s- it yet. I just yeah. went to sleep. Yeah. I saw um, 
I know Bohemian Rhapsody was really I was going to say, I saw the previews for Rocket Man at Bohemian Rhapsody, which I thought was amazing. Mm -hmm. And this week on one of the music things that I follow, I saw that they were playing at Red Rocks Amphitheater. Mm -hmm. They were playing, they do an outdoor movie thing there when there's good weather. So they're playing Bohemia Rhapsody Mm -hmm. at the Red Rocks Amphitheater. And I was like, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely want to see Rocket Man. Yeah, for sure. Go check that out. Mm -hmm. Um, all right, guys, welcome back. This is the second hour of Mortgage Matters. I got Mike Points with me today. Um, we, as always, we spend time talking between the break, and um, Mike Mike was talking about how, uh, how fascinating it is, is just how different clients sort of react differently to um, the documentation process that is getting a home loan. In sure. today's environment. And um, yeah, any loan officer could relate. In fact, any borrower could really relate. And um, yeah, it can it can feel invasive, right? As if some sometimes people end up feeling like it's just too much. You I just s- want too much. I call it financially naked. Strip you down, going to see it all. Yeah, because once we see you financially naked. I call it the financial naked. guts. Are we going to see your everything it's the guts yeah I mean, many people take good care of their finances but many people it's maybe not to their dismay or not to their you know strategy just don't and they've got to tell us what happened on this date or this time and right why is it that you have 18 late payments in the last three years just tell me why yeah know? the uh, in terms of the documentation i think and I, I think in many ways, one of the value that we add as, as a loan officer trying to help somebody chaperone somebody through this process in a way that's going to impact them the least, you know, I, I try to just set really clear expectations with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so oftentimes, you know, I, I tell people that, well, this information at times feels triply verified. You know, we're going to want, like, for example, if you have social security, it's not uncommon for us to need your social security award, award letter, letter, right? And and you get a new one of those every year. You can venture onto the social security website and print yourself one off if you need to. But they send you one out for the new year, lets you know if you're getting that cost of living increase um, or if you're getting not. You know, it, it breaks down what your benefit is going to be for the upcoming year. Yep. So we want to see that, especially for people that are being awarded Social Security for the first year, you know, to have an idea of what it is. In addition to that, if you've been receiving Social Security, we also want to have the 1099 that shows how much you were paid in the prior year um, from the Treasury so that we can tell, okay. You were paid $22,000 this year and $22,000 the prior year, and your award letters for $22,300 or whatever. That rounds it out. You know, that, that's how you document Social Security. And oftentimes people will say, Well, look, look at my bank statement. There's a deposit right there from the Treasury from Social Security for the dollar amount. That's enough. Um, sometimes people just don't want to have to, to get the added documentation and 
And to that, you know, I just, and again, I think it's about setting appropriate expectations, but um, these are documents that are required and we have to get them. And it oftentimes feels like it's a little bit of overkill, but it helps. It just helps. And, and like you weren't a loan originator and nor was I, but I was in the loan business, but, but leading up to the great recession, right? Where we weren't documenting anything. People were able to, you know, obtain what we called liar loans where it would be like, Mike, you'd come in and say, I have to, I have to apply for a home loan. Great. Uh, what do you do? And you said, well, I'm a loan officer. Cool. Um, how long have you been a loan officer? Five years. Perfect. Um, what do you want to buy? And you say, well, uh, I want to buy this million dollar house in town. Okay. Uh, then we'll need to say that you make $15,000 a month. And you go, okay, that's fine. So you just write it down. Stated income loan. That's the loan application. That's how it goes. And probably check your license. If you were self-employed in some way without a license, we might want a CPA letter that says, yeah, I've been preparing Mike's tax returns and he, he's in fact a loan officer. That's it. I reserve this word to only be used for certain times, but that is preposterous. It's crazy. And it was crazy. And understanding the evolution of how we got there is kind of an interesting one. Um, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac existed. They had their guidelines even at the time. They were pretty much the same as they are today. They didn't really change very much. But what ended up happening was so many other lenders, the alter alternative A or alt A as we called them, um, were offering pretty similar interest rates, but they would just loan you more money let you do a first and a second so you don't have to have mortgage insurance, other accommodative things that would have you into that world. And then for the sort of icing on the cake, they just say, and if your credit score is greater than 760, you don't need to prove your income. You can just state what your job title is. If it's all in the realm of, of reasonable and possible, we'll have you sign a 4506 in case we ever need to check your taxes down the road for fraud or anything like that. But if your credit score is greater than 760 and you've got some reserves in the bank, we're just not going to make you get the pay stubs, the W-2s, the tax returns, the 1099s, the CPA letters, all the junk, you know, all that part that's just going to bum you out and slow you down as a borrower. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and ironically it was called, that program was called fast and easy. So you, if you, ran somebody's credit. Like, so if you came to me and said, I, I want to buy this million dollar house. I said, well, Mike, you need to make 15 grand a month. And you said, well, I only make 12. Okay. That's not enough. So now I'm going to run your credit and see if you have a credit score higher than 760. Because if you do, you qualify for the fast and easy where we'll just say it's 15,000 knowing full well that it's not, but nobody makes us prove it. So that began the birth of the stated income loan was if you had premium credit and didn't deserve harassment because of your outstanding credit, that was what happened. Yeah. And then over time, um, companies started lowering the standards, started saying, well, new kid on the block over here, countrywide, we're going to offer you a fast and easy documentation here. 
uh, with credit scores greater than 720. And was like, wow, you catch a lot more people with 720, right? So naturally, more of the pipeline, even the people that could have qualified by going full dock were just not because they- Simplicity, right? Yeah. Skinnier file, less work, less scrutiny, less explanation. Fast and easy. Fast and easy. And then- New kid on the block shows up a couple months later. The only way you're going to join a market and be beating companies like Countrywide Take um, on more is risk. you show up and you say, hey, over here, we do fast and easy down to 680. And you're like, wow, interesting, because I just had a loan denied where the credit expired. They had a 720, and we had to rerun it because it got too old, and now my borrower has a 715. So I went from a denial to my buddy Mike's buying a house today thanks to this new wachovia 680 fast and easy and i don't need to to really labor the point here but by the end of it the fast and easy thing made its way all the way down to a 580 credit score and it was just clearly understood at that point that it was a stated income loan but we were still verifying assets usually until the stated assets came into play of well right we don't need you to prove it. Getting the account statements together are kind of a mess. And and so as an industry, it just turned into this stated, stated game. And so some people remember that. Some people got loans in that era where they just walked in, had their credit run, and walked out with a pre-approval. That simple, really. Um, and obviously, that didn't age well. We ended up in a period where we had massive foreclosures. We had massive performance problems with all of the loans we had because we were coupling in characteristics. I don't even know if it mattered, but those loans also had interest only, no down payment, and in some cases, negatively amortizing payments where, like I said in the first hour, the payment might be $4,000 a month, but you just give us $1,000, we'll tack $3,000 onto the backside of the loan, and you just boogie off into the sunset because you'll refinance that thing in a couple years. Your home is appreciating at 35% a year. So don't worry about that negative appreciation. Dang. Crazy mm. scenario, right? That's the extreme. So the, all of those Alt-A companies, they're long gone. And the only companies that really remain is Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. And so they scrapped those those all that stuff, right? And by the way, you could see how we're nibbling at it again, can't you? As we're talking about this, where now you're seeing this, well, if you've been self-employed for five years, just give us one year of your tax return. You've, you've, it's a five-year run. We're just going to say one year's representative enough. Make it easier on you. Mm -hmm. But as a loan officer, have you ever found that you look at the 17s, and they made 50 grand and you look at the 18s and they made 100 grand the 2 year average is only 75 grand which is not enough to qualify but on a program where you could do the 1 year hey man look at that now you're making 9 grand a month on the 1 year average sure bingo you could also argue the other side of the aisle and say that it takes the plane is on the steepest incline when it's taking off and when it reaches 35,000 feet it stays there for a while. Hey, man, I get the arguments that can be made. And believe me, I know how to argue them well. But 
as a practice, it's a good year to make sure that you have stable income if you're about to sign yourself up for a four or $5,000 a month liability that lasts for 30 years. I agree. But so anyways, it, it just gets degraded a little bit, right? And we're kind of back to that. Some of the programs today will take just a paycheck, supporting year-to-date earnings, um, not even calling out last year's W-2 or tax return. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I digress. Back to the the matter at hand here is we're talking about documentation. So we got ourselves into a position as a country and really as a as the global economy struggled so much for so long because of these awful loans that were made. So once we sort of reset that, hey, we gotta hit the reset button. This business of drive-by appraisals or appraisal waivers, this business of stated income, stated asset loans, this business of 100% financing by way of having seconds, this is all over. So we go all the way back into the Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac guides, which is, man, you need to verify your income. You're going to do it in these ways. This is what it takes. And so that's been really, and, and like I said, I know it's changing a little bit lately, but that's the framework of, by which we're operating under. And so oftentimes I have to tell people that is, hey, I understand this feels like a daunting task to get all your paperwork together, especially if you're not super organized. Some, yeah. some people have it already and it's just no big deal. I got all that and it's it's on this hard drive right here and I just hand it over to you, no big deal. It's It's everything you want and more. And then other people are like, I don't know where my W-2 is from 2017. Are you crazy? And those are, you know, they're obviously going to have a a bit of struggle with getting everything together if they are on that side. But, yeah, so we just tell people that's where we came from. It it didn't wear well. And now we're in a period where we're, we're really documenting things well, which I would argue as a consumer you should be thankful for because one of the things is the industry, these rules are helping protect your investment too. Mm-hmm. You're choosing now to get involved with buying a five, six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollar house here in town. Um, you should like to know that the lending practices for you and everybody else are requiring that people fully document and fully verify so that they don't go throw the towel in and then sabotage the whole community the way that we saw this happen before. Um, I agree with that. I think ultimately that's a very good point, Jason, is that you have so, I mean, the real estate market as a whole is a big part of the GDP, but the financing piece of it can dramatically affect a neighborhood um, in ways that it can leave houses vacant. People might have to fire sell, you know, foreclosures bring in lower prices when banks are just saying, hey, we just need to cover our loan. Get out. Yeah, and now you got a house right next door where you're like, wait a minute, we're completing our remodel. We're about to sell in six months. Don't sell that house. All that becomes the ramification of brushing things under the rug, turning a blind eye to the process. That's right. And and, and look at this. Right now, 98% of Freddie Mac's loans are performing. Those are loans that are not jumbo loans. Those are your basic $450,000 loans are performing. For people that weren't, acutely aware of this before the the big you know great recession that we had 10 years ago now um people didn't understand that banks we had loss mitigation departments people did have foreclosures you know people sure. get sick marriages fail um lose your job have some 
changing of the priorities where this person needs a forbearance agreement or they need a loan modification or they need a short sale or they need to do a deed in lieu. Mm -hmm. um, those departments got overwhelmed as people just everything, just all the resources turned into the loan modification department. So much so that the third party business was created. Yeah. That helps it's people. wild, right? Yeah. And so it's been a long road. And those of us that, that were right in the thick of it are not eager whatsoever to go back through that ever again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for all those reasons, you know, the, this all, by the way, this is a lot of the, the basis for why I got to suggest, I don't believe we're going to see a market ever again um, where we're going to have experience 20, 30, 40, 50% reduction in home values that was a deleveraging at the most extreme level as a result of a bunch of loans being made for too many people that didn't qualify and then it compounded on itself right where maybe you could still afford your payment but you had a five-year loan it was fixed for five years and interest only during that period and you're like okay i, I knew that going in and i'm okay with that Mm -hmm. I understand my caps and I can work it all out. However, due to what happened around you, your $500,000 house is now worth two hundred fifty grand, And you're like, well, hang on a minute. Am I going to get that equity back in five years when I need to refi and get the next five-year arm or get a 30-year fix or do whatever? And so then you're looking at it. It's like, I'm not, a, I'm not a problem. I'm not in trouble. But now you guys have me in trouble because you have my house worth half of what I owe because of all these bad practices. Yep. And so then that person said, you know what? Screw it. Here's the keys. I don't care. And I'm better off to you know get this behind me right now where I can buy a house again in two years instead of waiting five years to have the problem that I'm going to have when my payment doubles and then you know, be trying to deal with it then. And then two years later means it's seven years before I'm buying another house. So those people hucked their keys into the middle, which then further reduce value and encourage other people into the same position. And it's just that whole big feeding frenzy. Today, people are fully qualifying for fixed rate loans. Yep. And they fully qualify and can't afford it. Yep. So it's a very different thing. Um, and I love to share that with people that say, well, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait until values go down 20 or 30% again like they did last time. Mm -hmm. Okay. You better pack a lunch. It's going to be a long wait. Mm -hmm. uh, we might see stabilizing values, and we might even find periods of, of price correction where the values change um, 3 5 10% down over a year period or something. That's normal, right? Mm -hmm. Those things fluctuate, but um, anyhow, I want to talk assets when we get back because assets is probably the one place that no matter how well I attempt to prepare people, they get frustrated. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about good. that when we get back uh, from this short break with more Merge Matters. She packed my bags last night, pre-flight, zero hour, 9 a.m. And I'm gonna be high as a kite by then. I 
All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> Rocket Man, there, man. Woo. Yeah. Woo. A, it's a Is that supposed to make that noise? That's a, <laughs> a great song. It's kind of a ballad. Totally yeah. a great song. We're going to, 100 years from now, kids will be reading in textbooks about music geniuses. They'll read about Beethoven, Bach, you know, all these great pianists, if you will. And then watch how you say that word. <laughs> Slow it down, Mike. And then Pianist. and then they'll get to the Elton John era, and there'll be a whole chapter. Yeah. And there'll be the. I mean, you, the scores that he's done in these movies, like oh, Lion sure. King. Come on, oh, sure. yeah. When the guy, when the the baby cub gets held up over the cliff, yeah. If your eyes aren't watery during that scene, mm-hmm. you're not human. Rocket Man's a great song. Philadelphia Freedom. Philadelphia oh, Freedom is one of one of my top twenty five favorite songs. Not to mention the fact that there might be some Grateful Dead mentioned a few years down the road from. Them. Oh, there'll so certainly be a chapter on them. <laughs> certainly. Let's hope so. I mean, you have a when you have an ice cream named after you. You made it. You've made it. Yeah. Yeah. Ben and Jerry's Cherry Garcia. Yep. There you. Go. That's a fantastic ice cream. If yeah. I if I am gonna in, if I am gonna indulge into uh an ice cream I mean Cherry Garcia is yeah. the end all. Yeah. You're so biased so it's the... it's painfully biased. It's a brilliant you don't ice even cream like cherries. with cherries and dark chocolate chips in it. It's amazing. Yeah. You can't I mean it's I do. Cherry ice cream, I mean that's my jam. Yeah. They deliver Doc Bernstein to your house now. Really? Which just perpetuates Probably the, not in a Tascadero. Because <laughs> of the great again, the great thing. Yeah, perpetuates the, the hoarder lifestyle, or like the the what's the 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 crew, uh, what's that spider? Brown, Lecruz? brown rec- recluse, recluse, recluse. So to recluse is to stay inside, right? Mm-hmm. Reclusive, it's like a, yeah. Reclusive, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a big Just win. That's a big it. win for them, right there. Just Doc Bernstein to it. my house. Yeah, Have you? you I used will, to be man. the. Per- Have you ordered Doc Bernstein to your house? It's on my, my to do list. Okay, sorry, my phone. Came yeah, off. but you better hurry and get it there. My daughter, my daughter <laughs> was watching TV and she came in and she said, "Dad, yeah. can we order Taco Bell delivery?" I was like, "Absolutely not, mm-hmm. no way." And she went, they I, deliver but I now love Mexican pizza. I just, she came out. She <laughs> yeah, saw the commercial, like, right? right? And she just couldn't believe that it was possible that Taco Bell would deliver you food. So then, so went and looked at it. It's Uber Eats that does it. Yep. And then, um, so she was begging me for like two days. And so I'm just like, following you around the house. There's no way <laughs> this is gonna happen. Um, and then finally, I was like, you know what? If you if you can figure out how to do it on your own. Go get it. You know, yeah. she's 10, right? Right. And she's pretty tech savvy for a 10 year old. I mean, way more so than oh, we Oh, that whole generation will, will light you up in some technology. So she came in and she said, Well, you're going to be disappointed to know that Uber Eats doesn't service a Tascadero yet. I was like, You know what? I'm not. I'm not disappointed <laughs> that we're not getting Uber Eats and Tascadero. Yet. Delivered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, what, what's going to happen to the pizza industry if you could get anything delivered? I mean, that's that's what's kept pizza alive, right? It's definitely helped. Yeah, it's definitely helped. 
We got companies like Domino's. If you could order anything or a Domino's pizza, would you order a Domino's pizza? Well, where I thought you were going with this conversation <laughs> is that you were going to educate your daughter on the diminishing return of something like Taco Bell sitting in that bag. Yeah. In a dude's car, then getting to your house. I think Taco I don't Bell think you has to go like there. a a three minute shelf life. That's right. You know. That's right. And I'm not a big fan of eating things that are any more than three minutes old in general. Anyway, sometimes they'll be like, "Oh, we're gonna go in and out, and you want you know, bring you back a burger and fries." I'm like, "Absolutely not. I want nothing to do with French fries. I've been in a bag for ten minutes. Right. French fries good for like a minute while they're hot." And then after that, they turn into something where it's like, well, you just shouldn't eat that. You can tell from like the look and texture. And, and Certainly it takes you longer than a minute, though, to yeah. eat just, French fries. Well, they're going to stay hot for a few minutes. Like an aardvark? But there's that, <laughs> but there's that like, I'm talking about that minute after they sort of like, they're now no longer warm. Yeah. And they approach right. room temperature. Right. About a 60-second window there before those things are bird food. Yeah. Could you bring these French fries out in parts? Yeah, like, and remember. Let me have the first half, and then and I'll Domino's, be ready for the second half. That Domino's had the 30 minutes or less, and they started getting all those drivers getting into car accidents. <laughs> just, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> just rooster tailing yeah, around they, Marsh they, Avenue. They, they, they 28 some, minutes. Come on, baby. <laughs> uh, reminds me of that opening scene from Dirty Work. Did you see that scene? No. Dirty Work? You guys uh, saw Dirty Work, right? No. Nor oh, okay. This is what you guys are doing tonight. Okay, dirty um, work. No. Norm McDonald. Mm. Like or don't like? I'm a fan. I like him. Yeah. Funny yeah, guy. Yeah, some somewhat, yeah. Funny guy. Mm. That show he has a Netflix show that I think they it didn't get picked up for a second season, but it's like the Norm McDonald show is mm. amazing. He's interviews people like David Letterman and others. But anyway, okay. opening scene of Norm McDonald's, he works for a pizza company that has a thirty minutes or free thing. And he's like, there's road construction and he's just desperate to get up to this door and he uh. gets up to the door <laughs> and he's all sweaty and disheveled. And he's like, you know, rings the doorbell and the guy's like, looks at his watch and goes, ha, 31 minutes. Looks like this pizza's free. And the, and the dude go and Norm McDonald's like, oh, buddy, come on. This comes out of my paycheck. There's like the road's totally blocked off with dozers and everything out in the road. And the guy's like, oh. 30 minutes for free, not my problem, bud, and slams the door takes pizza. So Norm, Norm McDonald is Canadian. He gets back to the the pizza company, and, of course, he's getting, you know, the guy's like, um, you know, where's the money for the pizza? And, the, and, the, and, and Norm's like, oh, yeah, that guy stole that pizza, and he said, <laughs> you, you go tell that dude and the rest of his sweaty friends that if they want this money, they can come get it themselves. And the guy goes, Norm, they called. You weren't there in 30 minutes. You're fired. <laughs> that guy. That's the opening scene of that movie screen. Yeah. Um, Poor guy. God, I want to talk more about this pizza stuff, but... yeah. It's fun. It's so fun. I was a pizza <laughs> delivery guy right out of high school. We're not talking about pizza anymore, Mike. I used the full pizza. Quota. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna be offended, but now I'm offended. But it, it is. It's it's fun to go down memory lane. We we almost got to assets before the break. Right. Talking about assets, and I gotta agree with you. The assets one is the piece where they're the most frustrated borrowers are because they're like, look, I I have the money. You know, can I tell you that? Let me just show you a screenshot of the money. 
that literally right now, like while we're at break, I got an email um, from a from a borrower about assets. And uncanny. I'll, I'll tell you what's heartbreaking about this is that this guy's buying a second home here in Slow. He's works. He's an engineer. Works um, abroad. Okay. So this gentleman is in Johannesburg. Mm. A little bit of a time difference. We've been struggling to kind of get everything we need, but I'm doing my best. Um, putting a lot of money down on a house here in Slow, like a million and a half down. Okay. What was that? Yeah, house is over two million bucks. One of those oceanfront ones in Shell Beach. And so I told him, I said, all right, well, any account that we're going to use for your deposit or your down payment or we're going to transfer to or from for either of those things, mm-hmm. I have to have two months of complete bank statements or the most recent quarterly statement if it's a quarterly statement. I need all pages with nothing blacked out, even the pages that say intentionally left blank. That and, and that sounds rehearsed. Talked about it. Yeah. It's also in writing. It's part of my thing. Whereas I just know this is a this is a major pain point for people. It's frustrating and it's upsetting. Um. Anyway, he over, he overnighted to me about twenty account statements from. 10 different accounts um, that were overnighted from South Africa he to didn't. me. And there isn't a single statement in that file that's usable. Um, I have internet activity printouts that don't reference his name or account number. I have actual account statements that are page one, three, and five of five because two and four were on the backs that um, were photocopied and I didn't get the backs. I have others where I have one, two, three, four of five, but not five of five because five of five was left intentionally blank. Um, and so, and, and the, the airmail bill on the overnight was $90. So mm. it was very expensive. And, um, so we're going to go back through it of this busy guy that's putting a million and a half down on a $2.2 million house in Shell Beach, I have to send back to it, hey, bud, need you to redo the work entirely and this time follow the directions well. Um, it's just a nightmare. And, yeah. you know, it, it it feels like it's invasive. It feels like it's too much. And and usually people that get frustrated will say things like, well, isn't it enough that I'm going to put the money into escrow? You're going to know that it's from me. And so I like to take this opportunity to explain to people that ever since 9-11, um, we've got some anti-money laundering laws that have come into effect where we need to fully and perfectly understand the source of your down payment. We need to know that it wasn't cash, Mm -hmm. that it wasn't deposited $4,000 at a time for six weeks. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Those are those potential money laundering things, those sources that aren't acceptable. And, um, the only way that we can do that with any certainty is to get complete account statements and make sure that we have 
all pages with nothing redacted. And they'll say things like, well, you know, five of five was just intentionally left blank. Well, you didn't give it to me. So I don't know that with the same level of confidence that you do. And sometimes like credit unions and otherwise will put multiple accounts. And so the fear is that page five was what showed your Ferrari loan at the credit union, you know, and that then would need to count in your debt to income ratio and, you know, all that opened a whole nother can of worms. That's why we need the full account statements with nothing redacted. And, and like I said, this is one component here that absolutely causes most people heartburn. Yeah. And I tell them clearly, Hey, this piece is going to wear you out. And I'm going to ask you to be real careful when you do it the first time to get it right and um, follow the directions clearly because there are no exceptions made on these asset statements. And when you do the job and God forbid you pay that overnight fee and, and then what you call back and you find out that none of what you provided was acceptable and now you're going to do it again, you will hate me. And... You know, I don't, I don't write the mail. I just deliver it. You know, these are the guidelines. These are true for all lenders in the United States. So it, it just, you have to figure out how to comply with that. And it's like I said, that's a one place where no matter how well I attempt to set proper expectations, people still find this piece to be one of the hardest. Yep. So um, anyhow, I, I hope that helps some of you that are listening to understand the significance of um, taking the time and getting it right and providing all the pages and all that kind of thing. Um, I want to remind you guys, uh, if you, so rates are really low, right? We already talked about that. I'm not going to name what they are because then I got to do APRs and all this kind of jargon. But I'll say this, if you are listening to this broadcast and you've got mortgage insurance or you've got an interest rate higher than 4.5% or you've got an adjustable rate loan or you've got a second that you are stressed out about, if you think you benefit from a refinance, give us a call. We'll look at it for you in a way that um, we just really want to just help. Um, One phone number rings all of our offices. It's 805 543 loan, which is 5435626. You can find us on the web at centralcoastlending.com. Michael, thank you very much for joining me today. You have one more break, you know. That's right, just one. Oh. More. <laughs> I think you're running up I'm the looking shelf. at the wrong He's trying to <laughs> I, He's trying to get oh, get us out of here. How silly. That's can okay. I just leave now and you can just play the uh, rest right. of Rocket Man for the remainder of the show. I think we're not. Well, anyway, we might have to do it in a garden of Vita. I guess that it's okay. This segment's okay to just take into the break because truly, all of those things are true. If you need that help, or if you want to get pre-qualified or pre-approved to buy your first home or your second home or an investment property, um, give us a call. We're here to help you. Eight zero five five four three loan. Um, where's the clock, Jim? Uh, the clock There's no clock be- behind you. 
He's behind He's you, lad. Oh, well behind me. Perfect. So, well, it's, yeah. uh, I mean, I guess I just no won't feel that silly that I tried to take us out 15 minutes early. No, that's right. Um, we'll be okay. Yeah, we'll live through it. We got to get to that. Well, I think we'll slumber through. We got to get to that beer festival. Mm-hmm. I was also I was also disappointed too because I still had other stuff in my notes that we never talked about. Well, you know, you got time. To GDP talk about it. things like this. So, all right, <laughs> egg on my face. Sorry, everybody. I, like, I tried to jump the gun. Um, we'll just loop that part at the tail yeah, end of the show is. for everybody. So, let's do the last commercial break of the show and then come back and finish the show. What do you say? I. I think that sounds like a great idea. Fantastic. I I concur, doctor. Yeah. All right. Stick around for more Mortgage Matters. All right, welcome back. Interestingly enough, Mike. We're still here. We're still here, first of all. So if you thought we were gone, sorry, we're not. We kind of might have Well, I tried to be gone. Jim would let me leave. I just was laughing, though, in my head um, during the break where I said, okay, so first of all, first time I've ever done that. Secondly, when we started the show, you talked about how Jim and his hand signals and telling you what to do. So um, for those that are confused listening right now, um, Jim gave me the motion of the two-minute warning and the one-minute warning. And I I guess I just, because I can't see the clock, I had it in my head that this was the end. I mean, it feels close to the end since there's less than 10 minutes to go. Like two-minute warning for the second break now. Something Maybe like I should that. be doing something like that. And then there could just be like the, this is the final two minutes. Yeah. Done. Or you could just have a clock in front of us. Yeah. Well, the clock awesome. used to be here. Yeah. Well, I can Anyhow, yeah. Um, it's all good. Do you so, feel like. To err is human. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, um, I think people like that about us. We're just average everyday Joes. Yeah. Awesome. The only difference between us and the next guy is that we fund escrows for millions of dollars on a weekly basis. And sometimes we miss the difference between a commercial and the end of a radio program. But wow. it is it does it's worth reminding people that we're not radio professionals. We're we put our pants on guys. one leg at a time. <laughs> not me. I always do two legs at a <laughs> time. Do you do two legs at a time? Do you roll backwards on the bed and pull them down? Yeah, how else do you do it? I mean, you could jump into them like a pogo stick. That's dangerous. Yeah, that's a a broken toe. If you catch a toe on the other side of the crotch seam, you're going down like a bag of bricks. (laughs) You you don't want to do that. You got to get good at that. Maybe we should have ended the show. (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk about GDP. Gross domestic product. Um, so as you guys well know, we measure GDP quarterly and it matters. Um, the, you get like an initial reading and a revised reading and a final reading. Um, and so we're talking quarter one GDP 
And this is the second estimate. So revising now that more time has passed, the the bean counters have been able to spend more time mm-hmm. counting and recounting the beans. Mm-hmm. Um, they're letting us know that uh, quarter one GDP, which was previously um, three point two percent, is now revised to three point one. Definitely, definitely three point one. Definitely three point one. Um. Uh, Rain man again, huh? Why? <laughs> definitely. Definitely. 3.1%. I understand. Um, I mean, one of the one of the headlines that I pulled on this is like trying to paint this GDP in a bad light. Um, you know, cutting growth estimates, showing a a retracting economy and I'm like there's some part of me that wants to go hang on time out GDP over three is good read your textbooks kiddo yeah what what they're doing is they're saying well last year corporate profits were up 10% they're looking at a disappointing day for Trump as GDP growth is revised downwards yeah do you ever think there's do you think there's headlines that show up out here that says Amazing day for Trump as GDP is raised upwards. <laughs> no. Um, other headlines are GDP will receive a reality check in the second quarter after seeing this downward revision of quarter one. And I'm like, I, I want to tell everybody, don't buy any of it. GDP over three is darn good. Mm-hmm. Even if when you got deeper into the data, you had to knock it back a tenth of a percent, that's really good. I also understand, I mean, I don't have my head in the sand about it. I understand that we're in the throes of some major, very difficult with real ramifications, trade negotiations. Yeah. But that's big news. That's a big deal. And I do believe that it has um, potential to have real impact um, on future readings, you know, second quarter GDP. We're going to see some of this is going to come out in there. Um, But I also do realize I I fully expect that it'll be taken with a grain of salt if the negotiations end favorably, you know, Mm -hmm. say, oh, well, we all knew that would happen, right? We had, we had a, a sandbox fight over tariffs. And now that that's all behind us and we understand going forward, how it's going to work and, you know, trade imbalance things coming back in our favor, uh, that it'll end up okay. But, um, anyhow, the GDP is strong. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's historically it's somewhere between two and, Two and a half percent is darn good. I mean, anything above three is terrific. I'm going to argue that in a capitalist country, anything positive is good. Well, that's what I was just going to get at. The economy is growing. We have, and and our import-export over the last 10 years, that piece has changed dramatically. So you've got to be very proud of this. But I think what it does do with this type of language that's used is it starts to chip away at consumer confidence, right? Interestingly enough, though, consumer confidence came out this week to um, a high level 
Um, I mean, we're seeing consumer confidence hit the high water mark here for um, like a, a 15 year period. And we talked about this a little bit on the show last week, but we got a, another reading here um, showing us that, man, people are confident. And, um, you know, last time when we went over the consumer confidence data, uh, I was asking Dan and Jim, you know, how do you feel? Do you feel confident? You feel like things are better now than they were 15 years ago? And, um, you know, I think most people are feeling pretty good. And I find that a little bit surprising because of, you know, the what feels like a really tumultuous time where we've got um, the country just seems like it's just split evenly with um, lots of political back and forth and a constant search for ammunition and attacking each other. And it makes me worry that we've lost ability to cross aisle and, and do great for the country as opposed to towing party lines. Um, but anyhow, consumers are confident. Mm -hmm. And I think what that, what we hope that translates into is a strong, the strong economy has confident consumers that'll become good spenders and and keep GDP buoyed up even through this little rough patch of negotiating um, these trade agreements. That's what I think the natural conclusion is, and only time will tell if that's right or wrong. I showed you a minute ago, Mike, how to wind up Mortgage Matters. And I, since I feel like I already did it, I'm just going to let you go ahead and take the reins, and we'll see how you do with the fingers and and getting it all getting it all done. Take us I'm out of here. I'm giving you a finger right now. In one minute or less, <laughs> I'd like to tell all you listeners that all of the loan officers at Central Coast Lending, be it our Paso office at Tascadero, San Luis or Morro Bay office here locally, or even down in Ventura, if you're listening down from southern parts of California can be reached by dialing 805-543-LOAN. That's 805-543-LOAN. But really, you should check us out on the website at centralcoastlending.com because that website that we've just created is awesome. Not only will it lead you through an application, we have tons of fresh content regarding these types of loan topics we talk on the air and giving you guidance on um, different chips and tricks of the real estate purchasing market. So I encourage you to keep listening, and I encourage you to visit us on the web at centralcoastlending.com. Thank you so much for listening to us on this first day of June. We will be back next week with more Mortgage Matters. Jeez.